This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports to the max here on a Friday night. Timberwolves Idol. It is All-Star Weekend in the NBA. And uh, Timberwolves... uh, Shot from outside the arc like they needed a break. Uh, they ended up falling to Toronto in uh, the final game uh, before the break. 103-91. Alan Horton sent out a tweet about some of their numbers uh, from downtown. And uh, they certainly were not good. But the Timberwolves are still in a good position as they come out of the break. And then the stretch drive and... Uh, Look like they're going to be a playoff team, top six, still in reach. And joining us to talk uh, about the Timberwolves here at the break, Chris Hine covers the team for the Star Tribune. Chris, how are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? Good. I, I saw that number from Allen uh, f- following that game with Toronto, and it kind of laid out you know their, their struggles from the outside. And, and typically that's the way it goes for most NBA teams. If, if you're going to shoot that badly, from the outside, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you hear the phrase "it's a make or miss league" a lot, and yeah. uh, when you're when you're not hitting threes, especially in a league that's three point heavy, you're going to struggle. You know, they got by Tuesday night against Charlotte thanks to a, a you know a big fourth quarter and overtime from Carl Anthony Towns, but they just uh, they did look like they had very little left in the tank on Wednesday. So, I think the uh, all-Star break is coming at a good time for them to kind of recharge uh, for the final 20-plus games of the season here. Yeah, and they come out of the break, and they have a tough team uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies at Target Center on Thursday night, and then they welcome Philadelphia uh, the, the, the following night. So they got uh, pretty tough back-to-back right out of the All-Star break. But for, for the Timberwolves, the concern as much as anything uh, over a long haul or a longer haul leading into the break, wasn't so much a three-point shooting, but was just in general the way they were playing defensively, that it that it became a struggle, that one of the brighter spots early in the season or uh, when they kind of surged into playoff contention was that they were playing good defense, but that, that fell off. Yeah, it did. Uh, you know, they, they were felt to kind of the middle of the pack, uh, towards the back of the pack even, for stretches there in the month of February. You know, I think it, it, defense can be kind of a thing that ebbs and flows throughout the season. Um, they're trying to incorporate uh, some different coverages as well and not be so one-dimensional like they were earlier in the season because I think they're they're trying to take the long view here of the season. And, you know, 
the more varied and, and multidimensional that you can be on defense uh, down the stretch and into the postseason, the better off you're going to be because you'll be able to tackle different matchups uh, that, that you face. So I think that's part of the plan here. So, so you're seeing some growing pains with some of their more switch-heavy schemes that they're deploying right now. Um, but it's, I, I, it's all kind of with an eye towards the postseason. Uh, you know, should they uh, – be able to to get into the actual playoffs and not just the play in tournament. So, you know, I think they're going to be a little stubborn here and try to stick with stick with kind of the plan going forward here with some of this stuff. Um, we'll see if if fresh legs coming out of the break and and guys maybe getting a little healthier maybe helps that along as well. Yeah, and the good news is is that they have a pretty nice cushion uh, in the top ten that. You know, you got Portland at in the 10 spot, San Antonio in the 11 spot. So, you know, they're in good position there as they come out of the All-Star break. But ahead of them are some pretty solid teams in Denver and Dallas and Utah uh, in reality. And really it's only Dallas and Denver that are within reach or in realistic reach uh, for the Timberwolves coming out of the break. And... For them, I think having that goal of not looking in the rearview mirror but looking ahead and trying to get into the top six is really a noble goal. And to be at that point as we head for late February, I think Timberwolves fans have to be satisfied with that. I think so. I mean, you know, they've taken a step forward this season, kind of no matter how you slice it. Yep. Um, so for, from that end of things, they've, they've definitely taken a, a, a bit of a jump. Um, you know, like you said, they, they have spoken about this goal of trying to get into the top six, which would avoid the play-in tournament, and that's what they should be focused on right now. Um, it's just, I think it's going to be very tough because I think Denver and Dallas, like, they, play, they still play very good basketball. Jokic is, is determined to not let Denver slip too far. Um, and I think they might be getting some some help along the way in terms of some of their injured players coming back. Uh, Dallas continues to win. Um, they may, you know, they traded Kristaps Porzingis at the deadline, but you know they they continue to win going into the break, and you know they're they're seated a few games ahead of the Wolves right now. And you know you look at the schedule. There's not a lot of basketball left uh, in the nope. season here, relatively speaking. Like we, I think we're at twenty three games or so left maybe that's right if i remember correctly 23 games left so it's not a ton of time to make up a lot of ground um you're going to have matchups against some of those teams ahead of you as well so you you just got to keep winning but you know dallas right before the the all-star break you know went to i think they went into miami i know they beat miami i forget if they were uh on the road or not but you know they posted a very nice win against miami um you know, Denver continued to win, and then the Wolves had basically everybody available to them on Wednesday night. Toronto didn't have Fred Van Vliet, they're all their all star, and the Wolves lost to the Raptors. So you if you if you have an eye on the sixth seed, you can't be losing games like that, especially when those teams ahead of you keep winning. Yeah. Um and there there has been this trend with the Timberwolves and when I've been on for Henry on Timberwolves tonight following home games or, or road games, doesn't matter. 
when when the Timberwolves have played games like that, or they get lackadaisical defensively, there, there's this sense where they, they play well or win a couple of games and they start feeling good about themselves, and then they take a step back. And that that's still a trend, and, and I get it. There, there's a lot of younger players or, or players that haven't been in this situation before. So it is part of it, understanding that, you know, you, you win two or three in a row and you, you're, you're getting away with some things, you, you can still get burned. And that, that, I guess, is what's frustrating and why the Timberwolves are still in the spot they are and, you know, aren't with the likes of Phoenix or Golden State or Memphis and Utah where, where they're solidly in the top four in the NBA's Western Conference. To me, that is a difference where, you know, they, they – they don't fall into that trap where they, they start patting themselves on the back and start feeling good about themselves and, and take a night off. Yeah, I, I think they've gotten a little better at that. It's not as bad as it was, especially sure. last year, where they would win a game and then it would be like they would lose two or three more before they would find the motivation to, to, to right. have the urgency to win again. Um, I, I think they've gotten a little better at it, but you're right. I think... You know, just just with the urgency of a night like Wednesday night, you know, Patrick Beverly uh, came into the post-game press conference, and, you know, sometimes after losses, he actually strikes an optimistic tone. He was very disappointed in that Wednesday game because I think he, he realized that that was a game that they should have had, that they let slip away, um, and that, you know, again, and he made the point that if, if you're trying to catch the Denvers and the Dallases of the world, that's the game you need to win. That's the game you need to put in the win column, no matter how well you might have played. And they did have a good February overall, um, or they have had a good February overall. So, you know, that's that's the, diff- that's the difference between being the seventh seed and the sixth seed, because I think that there is a, a, a separation in, in quality of team once you, you know, I, I think you're right, maybe the top four. Utah's been slipping. They've had some injuries of late. Um but I think there is a demarcation between like kind of the top four, you know, Dallas and Denver there. And then I think you draw another line between Denver and the Wolves. Cause I think the Wolves, you know, before they get to 60, they have to actually prove that they, they belong in that class of team. And, and I don't think that they've quite done that yet. Yeah. There, there have been some positives as well that stand out in Carl Anthony Towns, you know, taking over games late, is is a very good sign, and um, I, I think fans are comfortable. You you, you got to get the ball to Cat in in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, and um, that that has seemed to pay dividends this season as much as anything. That Cat has has really stepped up, and you know everyone knows how good he is. He's an NBA All Star reserve. I mean, uh, he he's not under the radar, but it seems more and more. Cat's willing to really step up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you saw that on, on Tuesday night for sure. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that's that's been, and I'm going to write about this for Sunday's paper coming up here, is one of the things that I think has been impressive about Towns' season this year is basically whatever the Wolves have needed him to do on, on either end of the floor, whether it's to shoot from the outside, to, to play down low, to play from the high post, you know, on defense, it's to, to guard the high wall, to, to maybe play in a more traditional drop scheme. It's like whatever they've asked him to do, he's been able to do and, and do well. And I think that's been, I think it's one of the reasons why he's back in the all-star game. Um, even though he, in previous years, he's had the numbers to back it up. 
what he's done this year and and what they've asked him to do has contributed more to winning than at any point in his recent career, I feel like, because he's, he's been selfless in that way. He's, he's done what they, what they need him to do at any given, on any given night. And I think, you know, they, the team appreciates, I think, I think people around the league appreciate that out of his game this year. And that's why he's in the all-star game on Sunday night. Um, For, for the Timberwolves going forward, if they have any hope, it's going to be more consistency from a couple other players. D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards really stand out for me, Chris, that, you know, some nights great and, and some nights it's like, yeah, they're, they're not helping Cat out. Now, other players have stepped up. Malik Beasley's had his moments, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards over the final 23 are, are going to have to have more good nights than bad. Absolutely, um, you know, and you, you saw it the other night. They did not play well. <laughs> Either of them played well in, the, in that game against Toronto. And what happened? The Wolves lost. Um, so you know, with Russell, you know, look, he's gonna he's gonna have those nights where he goes two for twelve, right? Like that's just that's kind of part of the D'Angelo Russell experience at this point. You just have to hope that those nights are fewer and farther between than they have been at other points in his Wolves tenure. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's done a, a decent job this year of, of, of spacing those out. Um, Anthony Edwards, on the other hand, the, the number one thing I'll be watching with him coming out of the break is, you know, just how healthy is he at this point? You know, he sprained his ankle on Tuesday night, tried to give it a go on Wednesday, you know, didn't look the same, um, you know, and one area where he was affected by an injured knee was finishing, you know, it didn't quite have the same lift and, and ability to finish that he did when he had an injured knee. When he rolled his ankle on Tuesday, I wonder, you know, I wonder if the same thing is true where he may, may not have quite the quite the explosiveness and lift that he would like to have around the rim to, to finish some of these drives that he has. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see how he comes out of the break. Um, and honestly, you know, it, it'll be it, it'll be fascinating to watch Edwards as the games get really competitive. How does he respond to you know kind of playoff atmosphere basketball? If they get to the you know get to a playing spot, get to a playoff series, how does he respond when when teams are really game planning for him, honing in on him? What are his counters? What does he do to respond? You know, in his second year in the league, that to me is going to be some of the most fascinating parts of of the season here. And it's you know even if it doesn't go well, it's a real opportunity for growth for him. Uh, in year two, and I think that's that's one of the things to watch down the stretch here is what do they get from Anthony Edwards and how does he respond to the league uh, really trying to load up on him. And two very good teams coming out of the break. Thursday night, the 24th, Target Center, Memphis in town, John Moran, and then uh, Embiid in on Friday night in the 76ers. That's like a wicked back-to-back uh, coming out of the one. All-Star that's break. Yeah. It'll be it'll be great basketball though if it, you know to to see in person for sure. I, I'm looking forward to both of them absolutely. Yeah, and I would expect uh, good crowds at Target Center both nights for those. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, always good to visit with you. I enjoy your work and your time on the radio. Whether you join us uh, here or you visit with Henry, always good to chat with you. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much. All right, there he is, Chris Hine, covers the Timberwolves uh, for the Star Tribune online at startribune.com and. Uh, 
all-star weekend festivities it, you know it's fun I, you know you, you can't take too much of it seriously it's entertainment nothing beyond that i mean in reality you'd probably want all these guys to just take a breather and get some downtime i know it's an honor to be a part of all-star weekend festivities but uh you know, at this point with the Timberwolves getting into a playoff push with 23 to go, and then uh, the Grizz and the Sixers coming out of the break. Ooh, and we'll have them all for you. Uh, Cal Soderquist with the pregame show, and then, of course, Alan Horton with all the play-by-play here on the home of the Timberwolves. And don't forget about Henry Lake after every weeknight game, Timberwolves tonight here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. NBA All-Star Weekend, a three-point shooting contest, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tune in. You know, I'll, I'll catch. I, I'm not going to be glued to the NBA All-Star Game. And we've talked about this in the past when it comes to All-Star Games. I just wish it would go east-west. I, I don't need Team LeBron against... Uh, Team DeBur- they're, they're making Durant. it too gimmicky. I mean, it's it's like yeah, rock, I, I it's don't like need ro- that. It's like rock and jock basketball now that used to be on MTV. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't need that. Just East West. Um, I think the NHL's twist going three on three where it's divisions that isn't bad. I you know okay. I watch because uh, Kirill Kaprizov and Cam Talbot were part of the Central. And and they got all the way to the championship game and lost to the Metropolitan Division. That isn't a bad format. Divisions playing together, okay. You know, just go back to East West and the NBA All Star Game and call it a day. Um, I I think the whole draft with LeBron and Kevin Durant and all that drama with James Harden at the end is just stupid. Another bad idea, and this has been floated out there, is a mid-season tournament in the NBA. They already have a play-in tournament, and that came down in the bubble, if, if memory serves. And and now you've got the the play-in tournament, 7-10, 8-9, and then they ultimately advance into the playoffs. So I, I don't have a problem with that play-in tournament. I really, really don't. But any sort of mid-season or in-season tournament, Chris, you and I are on the same page. This whole idea makes absolutely no sense. It is absolutely ridiculous for a league that preaches load management to have this in-season tournament that you're going to put wear and tear on players. For what? At the end of the day, what are they playing for? Like, I mean, you've got guys that are going to play at the All-Star game. And granted, I mean, it's not going to be real stressful, but they're still playing. And... I just I don't understand like what is the meaning of this? This is just so this is so ridiculous that they're even contemplating this because but, you, but, can, you 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 can't claim load management and we want the players to be fresh when you're having a midseason tournament. Like it, it it is completely contradictory to what they're trying to tell us. Well, and what what scares me is what they're saying is that. Um, we're going to reduce the number of regular season games and we're going to create this tournament because for the first couple of months of the NBA regular season, we're getting the feeling that a lot of these guys are just going through the motion and getting back to load management. Well, of course they are. You know, it, it, it really takes me right back to there's too many games. 
there, there's too many games. You look at MLB at 162, they, they could easily knock that back to 154 like it was way way back in the, yeah. day, in the old days. Maybe this is going to be the first year that they won't be able to Or 148. Yeah. But, you know, could, could the NBA or NHL, you know, drop this back to 70 games, you know, with the idea that, okay, we may expand the playoffs? And I don't know if I like that because the playoffs are already so watered down in the NBA and the NHL where I feel like way too many teams get in. I think the NFL went a step too far this year in adding another playoff team. Um, you know, the wild card weekend was it was too much. I mean, it it, it just it was too much, and there were too many bad. But teams. but then it, it ended up though we had to tolerate that bad weekend of football. The rest of the playoffs were fantastic. I mean, can we, yeah, yeah, we agree on that. I, I will admit. Okay. Yeah, but they they were almost a one eighty from wild card weekend. The the, the games. In some circumstances, were almost unwatchable. It was just like, what am I doing here? You know, if the weather wasn't so crummy in this part of the world, I, I would have done anything else. But you know, the weather was bad. So yeah. you know, what did you have to do other than watch football? So I, I think this whole tournament idea, really, what they should get down to is what is a good number for the regular season. And I know clubs with, with all their regional sports. Television networks. Packages and, yeah. And, and all the packages and ticket sales. They're, they're not going to go away. They're going to still want 41 home dates anyway they cut it. But I, I just can't be. I just don't know how players are going to react and, and fans are going to react to an in season tournament. I just don't know how you create juice. You know, what's going to make it any different from just a regularly scheduled game? Well, yeah, because it's, it's, not, it's not organic. That's the thing. It's like. If you're going to try and manufacture something, fans are going to see right through that. I mean, if it's not organic and fans can't get genuinely invested, why would they spend their money? To me, just have the regular season game. I mean, if this, is, if this isn't going to count towards anything and it's some bogus trophy or award that doesn't ultimately help you in the goal of winning an NBA championship then it's to me it's completely irrelevant it's pointless yeah i i i agree i i just don't know what now there there's obviously got to be a television component in all of this where a television executive or two or three has sat down and said i think we can sell this and if we put it in this time slot you know we we, we can create some interest but what are you going to hand out the mid-season nba trophy i mean it's kind of like what I, I, I'm just not a fan and think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. But that also means it's going to happen. You, Pretty much. Right? Yeah. I think yeah. they're, yeah, if, if Adam Silver wants it and they can create revenue, they can generate revenue, then by all means, they're, you know, it's what's going to happen. They're going to do it. Uh, 731, uh, it is Sports to the Max. Steve in for Mike tonight. I'm in tomorrow afternoon between 2 and 6. invite you to tune in for that. Henry Lake coming up tonight. NBA All-Star break. Timberwolves are off. Uh, oh, by the way, the Wild are in action. Uh, as they, they try and bounce back from an ugly loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they are playing Florida tonight. Golden Gold for women's hockey. Uh, they are idle tonight. They continue their series with St. Thomas tomorrow. Brad Frost will join us later in the show. There's tons of girls' hockey section finals uh, tonight around the state of Minnesota as they fill out the state tournament that begins Wednesday for 1A, Thursday for 2A, 
at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul. We're closing in on the start of the regular season uh, for Major League Soccer. They're going to get an early start this year because of the World Cup later in the year. It is 7.32 here at News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Thursday, Kevin O'Connell became the Vikings' 10th head coach in team history. And when I heard that number, it's like, kind of like, well, I, I can name all of them. And then leave it to Patrick Royce, the veteran Star Tribune columnist, uh, to rank uh, the first nine. And it, it goes without saying Bud Grant's number one. I, I think by any metric, Bud Grant's number one. And and then you can kind of argue in some way, shape, or form about the rest. I, I think uh, Patrick in his column had uh, Denny Green number two. And then after that... Um, You've got the rest with Les Steckel being number nine, um, you know, by far and away, one year as head coach. It was an unmitigated nightmare. And it was so bad that they brought Bud back for a year before they gave the job to Bernsey. But here they are in order. Norm Van Brocklin, Bud Grant, Les Steckel, then Bud Grant again, then Jerry Burns, Denny Green, number two on Patrick's list, then Mike Tice, Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, Mike Zimmer, and now Kevin O'Connell. And thinking aloud during the program on Thursday night, I brought this up, and it struck a nerve with Chris Tubbs, our producer. And struck, boy, struck a nerve. That's a that's a that's a pretty strong way to say I'm interested. Struck a nerve. It's like you you make it seem like that's oh, a bad thing. I was giving you credit. Well, here's here's the thing. It 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 piqued your interest. Yeah, Maybe see there, see there you there you go. You make it sound like I'm yeah. some. Evil taskmaster who's like it struck yeah. a nervous like oh this dead gum article and your no, no crazy no. rankings okay no here, here here's what I meant to say <laughs> the NBA in season tournament struck a nerve <laughs> yes the the the, the whole <laughs> you know, where does Kevin O'Connell rank thing we, we have no idea he he could be as terrible as Les Steckel I highly doubt it mm-hmm. and and he could surpass Bud Grant as number one all time before his tenure is over. We have absolutely no idea. Chances are he'll fall somewhere in between. But he'll, he'll fall in between the best and the worst. It's a bold statement, Stevie. Yeah, yeah I, I I know. Would he go out on a Chances limb? are. Uh, but here's the thing. This could be the game changer, and this is what came up on Thursday night, Chris Tubbs. If Kevin O'Connell gets the Vikings back to the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. dare I say, win a Lombardi trophy. Mm-hmm. And they finally climb that mountain and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Does that automatically move them ahead of Bud Grant? I think, to me, I think it all depends on when. Like, Bud had all that success. I know Sans winning a Super Bowl. Does... If he ha- if he wins one Super Bowl and has a bunch of average years and you know has say like maybe Doug a 500 Peterson. record. Yeah, yeah, let's let's just say exactly like Doug Peterson. That's that's a pretty good comp. Does that make him better than somebody that he, that had a longer uh run of success like Bud did but ultimately didn't win any Super Bowls? It's it's it is so subjective and it's very fascinating yeah, because and- because if he does if he wins the Super Bowl as the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings 
and I'm cautiously optimistic as I, I choose to be. But if he does, that's something that no other coach in the history of this franchise has been able to say. So that in and of itself, I feel vaults him into at minimum the conversation of number two. And a boy, yep. it, it, I had I, I Denny Green. Yes, because they were never able to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, fifth, we we remember a, a lot of us who did not experience the seventies. We remember fifteen and one in ninety eight. Like oh, that yeah. was the high. That was the highlight for us. We don't remember. We're going to Miami. Yes, I, I mean, mean that, go, that was that was our theme. It was a, that was, it our was jam. a foregone conclusion. Yes. I remember. Here's a, here's a quick story. Okay, I I happened to be on the team here at the Good Neighbor at that time, very early in my tenure. That's how long I've been around. Is is a weekend part time? Think about that. Ooh, you you've seen some things. Well, it's going to be 25 years if I make it to October. Don't tell anybody. I'm trying to keep that on the down low. Have you negotiated? I'll have been here for 25 years filling in <laughs> and doing weekends if I can make it into October. Well, anyway. Um, but when Thoughts I was here early, in, <laughs> in early in my tenure, there was all this talk. You know, when the Vikings go to the Super Bowl, we're going to have yeah. all the shows from Miami. Well, well Steve, we'll need you to stay back. Uh, and <laughs> You got to babysit. Everybody else is going to the club. Stevie yeah. T's got to babysit. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's kind of how it went down. I kid you not. I've been around long enough to remember, you know, this this thing, the, the, the Vikings are going to the Super oh my God. Bowl. I think, even, I, think, I think even KFGO would have sent me because I was yeah. I, I was a student at North Dakota State at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but but, okay, but anyway, they were I'm nice sorry. about it. They said we need you <laughs> to stay back and man the fort. Right, we're we going to send everybody else. <laughs> um, so I, I remember that well. But but the point being is, you know, if if the <laughs> ultimate goal is to get to the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl, you're right. It, it'll take a much longer run and much more su- sustained success. In my opinion, even without a Super Bowl. To get to Bud Grant or Denny Green. And Denny Green's tenure here didn't end all that well. You look at the numbers and Patrick laid it out. Denny Denny had a pretty good run and had some pretty good teams here. And I don't think it's enough credit for uh what what he did as head coach. Uh, I, I mean so he much. took I mean this team was a they were a wreck. I mean they they were they were the hot mess express when Denny Green came in. Yeah, I, mean, they I, were I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like you know Denny Green, and you know he had a falling out with the media, and it just became it, it just became a three ring circus mm-hmm. at, at the end of his tenure. But you know he he certainly had some success, and you know if if you want to check it out in Patrick's column, he's got some numbers and and put some work into it. It was really good. But I I just was kind of wondering, and and maybe we can throw it out on the text line for the rest of the show. If Kevin O'Connell is able to get the Vikings to a Super Bowl again and ultimately win a Super Bowl, you know, it, it, it's it's got to put him in the top two or three right out of the game. Yeah, and, and I will say to, to Bud's credit, yeah, they lost those Super Bowls, but you look at the teams that they lost to, 
I mean, they, they were all literally some of the best teams of the decade with the Chiefs, the uh, the Dolphins, the Steelers, and the Raiders. I mean, th- those were stacked teams. This was not like they lost to a, a, a fluky team that hey, hey, Miami and Larry Zonka. I, I I'm old enough to remember that that I I couldn't really remember the Kansas City loss all that well and Hank Stram. That was probably the one they should have won okay. with with Len Dawson and company, but. You know, they, they ended up getting beat, and they had a great game plan, and we've all seen the NFL films. But Miami, you had Larry Zonka, and, and you brought up the Steelers. The Steel Curtain, Terry Bradshaw, and Franco Harris. Oh, Lynn company. Swan, John Stallward, oh, Jack absolutely. Lambert. I mean, Yeah, the Steel Curtain. Uh, so, And then the Oakland Raiders, and of course the late great John Madden coaching that team out in the Rose Bowl. I mean... It, they they were dynamic. The the snake and yeah, um, Cliff Branch and you know an unbelievably tough defense. So I, I mean, in reality, the Minnesota Vikings were a great team late sixties through the seventies before they started to taper off in the late seventies and early eighties, and and Bud ultimately hung them up. And then we all know about uh, Steckel came back for the year, and then it was Burnsy. But um, yeah, it it really is interesting. You know, as Kevin O'Connell, and you think about it, 10 head coaches. I mean, haven't the Bears had like 10 head coaches in the last 20 years? Yeah, I, I think I think Cleveland's the had I, I think Cleveland's had 10 since they've come back into the league from being an expansion team. Well, you, you, you look at the Lions. Uh, you, you, you look at the Bears and, and mm-hmm. how often they change coaches in some of these teams. So uh, there, there has been some longevity uh, uh, along the way, and, and we'll see what Kevin O'Connell does. Who knows? Big decision coming up. We got into it in great detail last night. Uh, the huge Kirk Cousins decision. What will that be? Uh, we, we should know a lot in the next few weeks for sure. Uh, 11 minutes down in front of 8. It is Sports to the Max. Steve in uh, for Mike tonight. Chris Tubbs is our producer here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. PGA Tour at Riviera in L.A. Halfway through that tournament. Final stop in the West Coast swing. They head for Florida, and then the countdown to the Masters. Well, they, they they want you to focus more on the Players' Championship in March, and then the Masters in April. How about Joaquin Neiman just chewing up Riviera, sixteen under par, sixty three, sixty three. Cameron Young two back. Justin Thomas five off the lead. Adam Scott, he's at minus nine along with Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa. Eight off the lead, but it's Neiman right now at 16 under par. And then Cameron Young just two back. Uh, some pretty big names, some good players. Victor Hovland, Cameron Smith at seven under par. Uh, Keegan Bradley in a group at minus five. Let's see who else we got in the field here. Uh, Scotty Scheffler won in that playoff at the WM. In Scottsdale, uh, he's at minus four. Rory at three under par. Uh, but, yeah, it, it the cut this week was at even par. So that that's a, that's a pretty generous cut, even par at a PGA Tour event. But you've you got three guys in double digits under par, and Neiman at minus 16. And then Young at minus 14. Those really standout numbers. Young shot a 62 today at Riviera. So 
the uh, third round coming up tomorrow on CBS, final round on Sunday, and then once again uh, the tour heads for Florida. I, I love this swing, and I love catching a little golf uh, from Riviera. If you didn't hear earlier, uh, Major League Baseball said no spring training games until early March. They, they've wiped out uh, spring training games. Uh, Phil Miller had a piece in the Star Tribune uh, laying it out, but uh, there will be no spring training games before Saturday, March 5th. So uh, the the Twins lose seven Grapefruit League games, and including an exhibition game with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So the the thought is that the regular season could be impacted if there's no agreement in place by the end of February. So we'll continue to follow that story. Uh, by the way, Phil Miller is going to join me tomorrow on the program, scheduled to join at 435. We'll lay out all of this and kind of talk about what are the core issues and why isn't a deal done. Uh, why, why are they playing chicken right now with the fans? Considering where we were with COVID, some of the other concerns around the game, and that, that's what's just driving me crazy because I'm a lifelong Twins fan and love going to the ballpark and really enjoy this countdown to the start of the season and speculating about what the club's going to look like. And we can't do that right now. And I think that's a shame. So hopefully cooler heads are going to prevail and the owners and players are going to get it figured out. By the way, we have a state champion. Uh, the state gymnastics meet underway at uh, the legendary Roy Wilkins Auditorium in St. Paul. And the 218 title goes to Wyzetta, the girls' state hockey tournament, coming up next week. And, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to talk some more hockey uh, following the news at 8 o'clock here on Sports to the Max. About 8.20 tonight, Melissa Volk, Andover girls hockey head coach. The Huskies, uh, defending runner-up two years ago, were the state champs. Uh, they are unbeaten heading to the state tournament. They won their section final, beating Elk River Zimmerman last night. Brad Frost scheduled to join as well. Coming up following the news and weather at 8, here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.